The Fund for Women and Girls is a nonprofit organization in Chester County that is passionate about providing girls spaces to participate in community advocacy. GirlGov is a group of about 20 high school girls from across the county that meet bi-weekly to work on advocacy projects of their choosing. We are creating this podcast as a platform for GirlGov members to share their work, passions, thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Today's group is a roundtable discussion with a few members from various committees to talk about what it's like being a high school girl in 2022. I'm Suhani M. I'm a junior at Great Valley. I'm Blake. I'm a junior at Kennett High School. I'm Annie. I'm a sophomore at Dyingtown East. I'm Suhani S. I'm a junior at Great Valley. I'm Ella Velodo, and I am a junior at Delaware Valley Friends School. We wanted to ask the girls what it's like to be a teenager in high school during COVID times. Here's what they have to say. For me, it's been hectic because I'm a junior in high school right now, and I started the pandemic as a freshman. So obviously, my responsibilities with school have increased along with my entire sophomore year was virtual. So I had I'm missing like a year of high school, essentially. And then on top of that, um, just when I thought I was like returning to normal schooling, you see all of these like reports and numbers about college being more difficult to get into. And many people say that junior year is like the make or break for what college admissions are looking like. So it's not only am I adapting to coming back to school in person, I'm missing a year of high school in between. I haven't fully adapted to like the social norms, I guess, of high school as I missed half of my freshman year. And then on top of that, I'm worrying about getting into college. So it's been very stressful. I don't know. It's really weird compared to like freshman year. I'm also a junior. Like the social landscape is like, I don't know, like radically different compared to the way it was. I guess it's also different because, like, I was an underclassman then, and I didn't know anyone. Like, I knew the people in my grade and, like, kind of the people above it, but, like, I had no way of knowing, like, the seniors or really the juniors, but then, so it feels, like, new in a way because I wasn't at the built in the building for, like, a whole year. So I think it's kind of uphill learning curve um, for everyone. When I was a freshman, I had a lot of upperclassmen friends, and so, like, after COVID, like, all of my friends had graduated, and I feel like the underclassmen now, because... They were very much still with their, like, middle school friend groups during the COVID era. There's now, like, the groups are very different and, like, the maturity levels. And, like, there seems to be some sort of divide between, like, upperclassmen and underclassmen. And, like, we never really got that, like, meshing of, like, our, like, cultures in a way. It's the same way in my school. Maybe it's just, like, the, like, typical jaded junior who's like, oh, my God, the freshmen this year are so annoying. <laughs> but, like, and it's not even that they're annoying. It's just they're, like, markedly more immature, Yeah, I feel like. And it's not right. even, like, they're, like, a bad thing. Like, it's just, like, they – I feel like freshman year was, like, a very formative experience for me. And, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think you kind of have to, like, have it in person. So they didn't – like, they had it in this, like, kind of hybrid environment, like, completely online. So I feel like there's, like, a rift there. This sounds so stupid, but when we were freshmen, like the juniors this year, there was the whole Visco girl thing and like the and like the um water bottle. And so it was like that's like a classic freshman experience. Like you're nervous about going to a new school, but like you're getting your bearings. You're being humbled by the upperclassmen. It's like a rite of passage. But no one has the energy to do that anymore. So the upperclassmen are not, like, setting the expectations for what a normal high school should look like. And then on top of that, you have these kids who didn't even get to properly finish out middle school. So that's really added to it. It's not like the upperclassmen know either, because yeah. they've lost time, too. I mean, I feel like our schools could have honestly put more into having, like, our school and community come together outside of school or, like, build, like, how we had some proms outside and, like, some schools totally shut them down and stuff. Like, they could have done outdoor events when COVID was so serious 
and to bring us together and to still have fun. Besides, like, I know some people who haven't even been to school and they're going to be juniors. And they just don't even know what high school's like. Like, at all. So, like, I feel like could have done much more than just, like, being and leaving you at home. Since they can't do anything with you. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm, like, almost glad it happened a little bit. Not because, like, obviously there's been, like, a bunch of detriments. And I'm not, like, glad the, like, the illness itself. But as far as, like, the time away from school, I think that was really nice. And, like, kind of having, like, a year to myself to, like, reflect and stuff. I feel like I grew a lot. And I think I came into myself a lot more than I would have had I just stayed in, like, the, like, the social minefield that was my freshman year. And I feel like kind of getting a chance to, like, step back and, like be with myself a little bit more kind of helped me a lot i think it's it worked out the way it had to and i guess i'm not angry or like happy about it kind of in between no and i totally agree with that like some isolation has like realized by to be by yourself so actually someone enjoy and like i feel like it's not like narcissistic or anything like that but like you actually know what it's like to be by yourself instead of always around others and to how you can enjoy yourself from being alone and accepting yourself and all those positive things. I agree, but I feel like fresh, like when I was 14, like when COVID started, I was like starting to get into like my actual life and it felt like I was like entering my teenage years and like adolescence and I was starting to like actually figure out myself. And then COVID happened and like I, I also enjoyed the time to myself. But, like, now I'm 17, which isn't old, but, like, on the spectrum of, like, teenage years, I'm, like, approaching the end of it, and I feel, like, I talk to people that are 14, and I'm, like, the age difference just always, like, catches me so off guard, and, like, the fact that I only have, like, a few more years of, like, my adolescence left freaks me out a lot, and I feel like I'm still, like, I should be entering my, like, teenage years. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, for sure. I feel like we lost, there's, like, a gap. I kind of liked what happened during the gap, because, like... Being a teenager is one thing, but being a teenage girl is a complete other. And at the start of COVID, I was I was 15. I had just turned 15. It was my 15th birthday. And then, like, a couple months later, the world shut down. And I was very much not comfortable in, like, who I was, the way I looked, the way I acted. I didn't, like, want to be myself, I guess. And having that time alone, like, I was able to reflect on myself. But also so many people were coming out and being like, yeah, like... <laughs> I'm going crazy alone. I'm going crazy by myself. It kind of made me feel less alone. And I also, like, was able to figure out what made me feel good. Like, back in freshman year, I would dress along with the trends. Now I dress to wear what makes me feel good. I would, like, pretend to be interested in certain things. But then I realized that I should kind of pursue things that I enjoy. And I started doing things more for myself as opposed to, like, for social acceptance. I almost feel like in a way because like TikTok was like driving me through quarantine, my personality and like all of my entertainment and like my everything came from TikTok, including like my sense of style and like my personality. And like I got back to school and it was it was just very shocking like seeing people uh, like doing things other than what's going on on the internet, but then also like everyone was kind of doing what's going on on the internet. It was just really strange. But I feel like I didn't find myself, like, I just found, like, the section of the internet that makes you feel like you find Yeah, TikTok was a whole, like, another level of just, like, it really played into it a lot. Like, you yeah. don't realize it. Everyone came back with, like, such good style. Like, I feel like I walked the halls on the first day of that junior year. I, when did everyone, like, get so fashionable? Which is, like, great, good for them. It was just, like, kind of, like Blake was talking about earlier, like, just a different social world. I had it, like, all the freshman year, and then I think in, like, June of 2020, I deleted TikTok because it was making me hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, I don't know, it was, I had to, like, wean myself off because it's kind of addicting, but I think it, like, 
it helped me like I don't know I think I think everyone's different and I just think I was more susceptible to being like like upset by what was on there and I also just like can't handle hearing what other people have to say 24 7 like it drives me nuts and I think that kind of helped me come into my own like the added fact that I wasn't seeing people in school every day like not having other people like tell me like giving me an idea of what it I should be doing or like what I should be like or what kind of person I should be kind of like helped me figure out what I want to pursue and the things I'm interested in we asked the girls about how they felt wearing masks at school register it anymore honestly just like oh mask okay like Mm -hmm. I have one in my backpack it's just like a normal like thing that we do like growing up with it I guess I don't know I don't really think anything of it I think it's different from your political views as well and what your family believes in and what your family does like my mom was very strict about it because she was a nurse and she was in that hospital wearing three N95s and like like the really bad part of COVID. And so I was always used to wearing masks. And finally, when I was allowed to finally take it off in a store, I feel like I was missing something. Like something was truly like, what am I doing wrong? I think that really changed. And like, and especially like my school district, that we have different point of views. Like there's a West and there's an East. And at West, people were putting signs up, like literal full-grown men on like just the outskirts of downtown, putting signs up for their child not to wear a mask. And it's putting an end to their school and how they're interpreting like the academic part and everything. And it's it's really interesting. It's just the different views of what people think about just mask. So yeah. it became political. It yeah, be political. it definitely did. Mm-hmm. At our school, there was um, so there was like most people kind of just wore it and didn't say anything because it's like I don't know. It just wasn't a big thing, but there was, like, a, a group of these specific guys who would never wear it, and they'd always, like, have it on, and then they, but they'd, like, keep it under their nose. So, I'm not going to say his name, because um, I don't want to, like, remove it, but there's this one kid who always did it, and I'm going to call him Steve, because it's important to the story, but that's, for the purposes of the story, it, he, like, he got turned into a verb. So whenever, someone, <laughs> so whenever someone's mask went down on their nose, we'd be like, oh my god, you're steving. <laughs> Stop steving. Which was kind of funny, but I don't know. He didn't, he's kind of a jerk. He didn't really seem to care about it. Um, But it was, I don't know, it was interesting to see that. So for me, I'm immunocompromised. So I was like allowed to get the vaccine in like the first round. And I like, now that we're at a stage where like it's optional, like you choose whether you wear a mask or not. Like I'm like, okay, yeah, that's completely like your choice whether you wear it or whether you don't. Like I understand that's a personal health thing for everyone. But back when we were in the era of, like, mask mandates and the school did not give us the option to be virtual um, and they insisted, like, okay, we're going to have masks for everyone, they still weren't enforcing having everyone wear their mask correctly. Like, there would, like like I said, have be boys who, like, had their masks down, who would, like, take them off to drink water and then just never put them back on. So I felt, like, a sense of I was being let down by the people who were supposed to protect me. That was i feel like the biggest way that the masks impacted me i understand the people who like don't want to wear them and like had to wear them whatever but like if there's a rule in place i think you should respect it and there was no authority figure who was trying to protect the students who needed to be protected and just like seeing how like a simple thing like a mask became so political so fast and divided everyone so quickly like you either wear a mask or you don't. It shouldn't have to be, like, a political thing. Like, you wear a mask for, like, your safety and, like, other people's safety, especially when we didn't know a lot in the beginning. Fight it, and especially in, like, a social point of view. Like, 
if it becomes optional, then you're like, either you wear a mask or you don't. And then it's like weird one way or another because, oh, you're not wearing a mask or oh, you are. And it's like a whole nother level of social awkwardness. And there were like, oh, like genuine like protests. Like there were walkouts. Yeah. There were not just headed by children, but by their parents. Um, the parents uh, in the school district next to ours, um, there was a walkout and the parents were literally waiting outside of the school, phones in hand, recording their children walking out of school, like chanting, like, these are our babies, like we're protecting our rights. But what right do you have to interrupt the education of other students? And then there was an incident where a parent literally came into one of the boys' locker rooms and gave like a whole spiel about how you're supposed to like stand up for your rights, like don't make them make you wear masks, which that's genuinely endangering someone's safety. Like you can say what you want about masks, but undoubtedly when a grown man is inside of a teenage boy's locker room, that is endangering their safety. I feel like it got to a point where people were going so crazy over the masks that we didn't step back and think, okay, why are we wearing them? To protect ourselves, to protect others. And maybe that's just me, but I don't think that should be a political thing. That's just be a good person there. We asked the girls how they think politics has changed their school in a post-COVID era. I don't really know that much pre-COVID, but I know post-COVID, I've gotten a lot more into our uh, school district school board meetings. And some of the things, like, okay, number one, regardless of, like, where you live, I your district is probably very, very divided. And at the end of my school board meetings, they have public comment. And so on one, the one hand, you'll have um, a parent who's talking about, like, oh, thank you for the masks. Like, my child is feeling so protected at school. Um, it's giving our family a peace of mind. And then the next speaker will come up and say, how dare you have our children wear these masks? And I was watching one of them, and one of the dads was literally like, you're turning, like, our city into communist China, which there are so many ways that you can unpack that statement. It's frustrating because no one wants to see reason, but also they're jumping to such far conclusions that it's like not only polarizing them among their like neighbors, but like parents' political views impact their children. So then we're being polarized amongst ourselves as classmates and peers. whole thing about like election and like fake news and then that came into play like pre-covid and a lot of just like you should learn to think for yourself not follow what your parents said and then it was like boom covid and then nobody know what to do so they all jumped to like rash conclusions like communist china and because like they didn't know how to act nobody knew what they were doing so it's not just parents either um i have this one teacher not naming any names but she she says that she really likes to encourage us to, like, find the deeper truth within things. But, like, I've been in her class for a couple months now. It seems like she just doesn't respect the scientific method, which I feel like was the case with, like, a lot of Americans during this time. I, I respect, like, going and thinking for yourself, doing your own research. But, like, that doesn't mean fudging the facts to support what you think. Like, there is a scientific method. Like, there is this, like, set, I guess, standard of, like, what qualifies as the truth. We need to respect that. Facts. Facts. <laughs> I feel like there's a little more. This could just be my school, but there's like a little more like unrest among the teachers in a way. But for, well, for my school specifically, they like put in block scheduling, which everyone hates. Um, but just kind of generally, I feel like um, because like generally speaking, most teachers are underpaid, um, and they had to work like teach online, which is soul crushing. Um, and then like. Um, I don't know. It's just like it's just a really hard situation to be teaching under, and I don't think school boards are giving them a lot of like help. Um, 
or like giving them, I don't know, like living wages, really. I mean, they are, you know, compared to, it's not like minimum wage or anything, but like it, you know, compared to the work that they do. Um, and I think a lot of, I don't know, my prediction is I think we'll see like kind of some like strikes in the future if it continues it this way. Um, cause I do think it's like not great conditions to be working under, um, from what I've seen. We're very lucky in the area that we live in. Like, we're a little bit more well-off, but there are, like, definitely places in the country teachers are striking. We asked the girls if the murder of George Floyd inspired a more anti-racist curriculum at their school. Um, I think it's really horrible how everything has become politicized. Because when we go to the root of the Black Lives Matter movement, it's literally just Black Lives Matter. Like, we should give Black Americans the same respect in all walks of life. Um, whether that be like in the criminal justice system, day-to-day life, through in police encounters, we should give them the same respect that we give white Americans and we should give we should acknowledge the like differences and the struggles that they face specifically as black Americans in the modern day. Um, but unfortunately that issue has become politicized and a lot of anti-racist theories and such have become politicized. Um, right now, me specifically, I'm working with my APRIS teacher who is one of my favorite people in the world. He is so open to new ideas and like making sure that a push as a curriculum um, is actually encapsulating all of the voices that are in America, not just the white male voices, which um, that's something that we need across the nation. But like, if I can start that in my school district, that's something I'm going to do. When we started this project, I went to him and I was like, I'm very nervous that we're going to get a lot of pushback Because even though we're not changing the narrative, we're just literally filling in the missing spots in the picture, um, people are still going to look at us and say, oh, you're like indoctrinating our kids. You're showing them propaganda, like you're changing the story, even though we're not. And his response to me was, "Okay, but then I'm going to tell them that we're not saying anything that's untrue. We're simply stating the facts, which is what they're advocating for in the first place. Like he said that he would defend what we're doing because what we're doing isn't political. We're simply telling a story. And I'm very appreciative of teachers like that. But in the same vein, I also have that teacher who is uh, looking for the deeper truths, but just rejecting science and rejecting the facts around COVID. So I don't think teachers have changed their views. They've just gone, um, I guess, deeper into what they believed pre-COVID. I was going to say, it was the political thing that I was going to talk about with, like, how I feel like teachers should, like, I feel like they have a responsibility to, like, open up base to talk about what's going on. And also Black Lives Matter, or, like, the George Floyd thing, it's not something you can just deny the existence of. So, like, and it's, it wasn't a political, like, event. So, like, I feel like you have an obligation somewhat to, like, acknowledge it. And then also what you were saying about, like, um, like, documents and such being just facts that just reminded me of how certain states are banning um the reading of martin luther king jr's letter from birmingham jail they're like banning the reading of it in schools which like i find ridiculous that was unrelated no yeah (laughs) it's been like accepted and like approved so there was already that piece of it i don't think we realized how bad it was and how many people thought things just without fact checking i think it was COVID was definitely a reality check, and especially the Black Lives Matter movement, to just see how many people are, like, so set on, like, 
their views and like not listening to like scientific like fact and everything and not having like an open like mind for it um and i think teachers definitely played a part in that because even if they did try to like do like a little like unit on it or talk about it there were just automatically like arguments between students it just did not go well i think within like the education system and like especially with like social movements and like te- when you like teach about oppression and things like that, I think there's like a tendency for like the curriculum to want there to be like a clean like resolution. The kind of way we talk about Black Lives Matter in schools now is kind of like, oh, that happened, like, but now we're good now. And they kind of do that with everything. And right now I'm taking um, summer 1960s, which is like it's basically just like a history class, but it's like an elective into the 60s and stuff we don't really learn about that much stuff in depth because we're going so fast and there is that like tendency for things to be like oh this got like this ended it's good now now we're moving on but we did like an in-depth unit on like the civil rights movement and stuff like that and it was really eye-opening one because a lot of that stuff we don't really learn about um or at least we don't learn about like the the like the real meaning behind it or anything it's just kind of like oh this happened because xyz and then it's just we kind of leave it off there and I don't know. And the more you look into it, the more you realize there really is no clean resolution to things like this. And there's no like way for it to like, there's no like event that stopped all these bad things from happening. Like it just morphs into different things. I think that's what's still happening today. And I just, I don't think we're, um, the education system acknowledges that or really even like has the tools to acknowledge that. Like with the pace it forces you to go at, there's no way to look at things in, with in-depth and like with a nuanced perspective. That reminds me of what you were talking about with the English curriculum and, like, modifying it. Because during those meetings with that teacher, there was so much discussion about, like, we still have to, like, get everything done before the AP exam. And the AP exam, like, focuses on the white perspective. So you're, like, very limited and honest. I think also this is just something in our area. I know other areas of the country are different. Most of our teachers are white. And George Floyd is what opened their eyes. But I'm a woman of color. And so I've, like... I guess, since birth, been aware of these things. So it's very interesting to see people who have just been um, made aware of these things trying to teach me about it. Because it's like, not only have I lived it, but like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I know that racism is a problem. I know that systemic racism is a problem. I know police brutality is a problem. I'm not black, but like, I see what the black community is going through. And they're like a sister community to me as an Indian woman. Like, I see what they're going through. Of course I know what they're going through. I've seen it. I saw it before you did. So then it's, like, people who don't have that much information on it and are trying to teach themselves, if at all, are trying to teach people who have definitely experienced it, experienced something similar, or have been aware of it before then. I feel like before George Floyd, there was really no incentive for teachers to um, educate themselves about what their students of color might be going through. And post-George Floyd, like, they're becoming more aware of it. It's just very... We applaud our white teachers for becoming aware of these things when in reality that should be expected. Not not just if you're teaching students of color, but just as a teacher. Because if you're going to help children navigate the world, you need to be aware of everything that's happening in the world. What has been the best part of GirlGov for everyone? I think discussions like these with people that like have so many different perspectives and like are so good at articulating like such complex topics like I just love having conversations like this with people and it like always goes somewhere um I'm in the reproductive justice committee and I like love my committee like I will never stop speaking well about my committee because like from our first meeting we've all been so focused on our goal and like even if we're not here we're all like 
kind of chugging towards one goal. So it's really nice to meet a community of girls who are just as ambitious and passionate and like motivated to get something done. We like every meeting we've had has been productive and we've worked outside of our committee meetings and like our work is paid off. Like we sent out a survey to girls around our county about like what their experiences have been like um, as a menstruator. And we got like 105 responses on our survey because our committee works. And I, I'm very, it's the first time in my life I've been surrounded with people who work. So they're like at the same level that I do. So thank you for that. Yeah, I agree. I think like the, like the chance to be among people who were like, like-minded in the sense that we're like passionate and like want to get things done. And even like, beyond like just working in the committee because I've been, I've been a terrible committee member I'm sorry you, I've not sent been out present the I know but I haven't been in a lot of meetings because I've um I've had to go virtual but um but even just like getting to like be in like a supportive environment even just at the meetings when we're not in the committee is like having these like conversations that I don't feel like we get to have in school a lot because like when you're in class you mostly talk about the curriculum and we touched on this earlier, but, like, the curriculum is mostly, like, we're just getting it done before the AP test. There's no room for, like, nuanced conversation. And then you're in the lunchroom and you don't really want to talk about, like, systemic oppression when you're, like, in your one break in the day. So, I don't know. So it's really nice to have that, like, opportunity with people of so many different perspectives. Everybody wants to be here. They chose to be here, which I think helps, like, your mindset of just, like, feeling safe and like same things especially like the curriculum thing and how you can't like stop and have conversations like this like we took a whole meeting to talk about ukraine everything that's going on and like we stopped everything um and i think it was really cool that we could just like do that yeah i mean uh, when i went in for the first time not gonna lie my mom more probably pushed this group like i definitely wanted this volunteer position because i love being a part of like an all-girls group and i actually had no idea about it and she's the one it was like, you definitely should try this. This is all you. And I had trouble making friends in high school. And a lot of girls were rude. And just being a girl growing up is hard with friends and just socially and everything. And I think when I walked and had my first meeting, I was like, wow, I actually feel like accepted. Like, I feel like I can talk. I feel like I can, like, be with people and, like, let my opinion flow and, like, hear everybody else speak and stuff. And I, I like it. It's just, like, very supportive area where you can, like, feel, like, I don't know. It's just safe, I guess. So nice. Um, to end things on a light note, we asked the girls to define what they think is the biggest thing in pop culture right now. I feel like it's it's kind of like hard to like define, like even like if we think about like, like a decade, and maybe it's just because we're at the beginning of the decade, but I feel like the trend cycle has become so fast that like it's hard to like like what's cool now isn't cool in two weeks, and I don't I don't feel like it was that like that before. And I think social media has helped that, and I think also like companies like to push it especially with like fashion and stuff to like make a profit because of like fast fashion and things like that and like the i don't know the more like different product you can put out kind of like um so i feel like it's hard to like say what's gonna be cool for like the because it's this this era because like i feel like there's a new era every week i was gonna say with like tiktok like the essence of tiktok is just everything moves so fast and is constantly changing and you can spit out like a million things that like people have already forgotten about that happened like the last month and like every like the it feels like the essence of our generation right now is just trends like every day like new trends new everything just so much information yeah oh my god <laughs> no cap 
We should just have like like a two minute conversation, but like just with like stuff that's like trying to grind, and then listen back in a couple years and like cry. Yeah, and cry. I have like I have this video on my phone of my friends and I in like seventh grade, and the words fleek (laughs) quaking in my boots (laughs) like it's just words that i can't believe like came out of my mouth i remember it was never i'm so happy it was never part of that era that like freaks me out this is this is a a memory from like the depths of middle school but in sixth grade the walnut street theater used to come to our school and present these like anti-bullying things and there was this one character and I, it's like burned into my memory I remember nothing from 6th grade except for this and there was this one guy and he was like those shoes are on fleece and like the joke was that he was off trend because the word is fleek but it's like on fleece and it was so oh bad my. no cap guys, no, bullying think, is not good literally that's what I was, I think about it every day yeah, and was that, that the 6th grade one was a musical and the 7th grade one was like interpretive dance it was so bad <laughs> This podcast is produced by the Fund for Women and Girls. To support GirlGov and other important causes in Chester County, please visit www.thefundcc.org.